0: This is aesthetically trained, the podcast. Pushing you to year on year
1: progression. With your host, Ross McKinley. Yo, Ross McKinley, Aesthetically Trained, the podcast, episode 6, and today I've got my first guest, very special guest, a close friend, but most importantly, a world champion. <laughs>
0: strength and conditioning coach. There it is. Reece Silva. That's the only well, reason bro. I chose to do the podcast. <laughs> i waiting for that intro for like ages and ages, but yeah, sounds good that.
1: So Reese has recently uh, just had one of his fighters, Sonny Edwards, just recently won a world title. He's one of the, well, it's one of the latest British champions, isn't he, to, yeah. to, to win a title. It was a fight where he was an underdog. Boxed to a 12 round decision win, which is a really, really good result. No doubt the strength conditioning had an impact on that In this episode though, we're going to cover that We're going to talk about these fighters We're going to talk about how you can learn from fighters What lessons has he got We're going to talk about weight loss versus fat loss Because he's got a lot of experience with weight cuts with these fighters We're also going to look for some of you, no doubt The men listening to this episode You might play football on a weekend You might do a little bit of jujitsu. That's getting popular now MMA, boxing Whatever your sport is, I'm gonna cover in this episode with with an actual fucking expert, how you can combine the two. How can you get swirled, get ripped, get shredded, look like me, perform like this guy. <laughs> so that's what we're gonna go for. So start at the beginning. Restart I'll let you, if, for, the, yeah. for the people that don't know you, talk us through where to start, how do we so, get here?
0: Yeah, as I said, name, Reese Silver, probably better known as Elite Step, unfortunately. Most people actually, yeah, most people actually call me that now, which is annoying, but I guess it's good for branding. Uh, so, yeah, just I'm 29, strength and conditioning coach for combat athletes. 90%, probably 99% of my clientele are now combat athletes, MMA, boxers, tie boxing, all those sort of combat athlete uh, disciplines. Started off doing pretty much what, what you would have done PT in, in sort of commercial gyms. Worked in a pure gym for a number of years, just doing general population stuff, a little learning my trade, all that sort of stuff. Um, and over. What was it now three years ago i want to say 2018 yeah i moved back to leeds and that was the time when i was like right i want to go strictly down the combat athlete route now i'm mm-hmm. going to relocate to leeds i sort of done my research and thought this is a good area for, for fight sports mm-hmm. let's get there let's start building it so alongside again working at pure gym started building up a client base and working with like one or two fighters and just for free basically volunteering almost just to build up my experience, get my name out there a little bit, get content for socials, build my brand. And then, yeah, as I say, between 2018 and now, it's just kind of snowballed. Started getting paid and then, I think it was, when was it now, after I back for a year. So about 2019, April time, again, decided to take a plunge, and move over to Graft House where yep. I sort of met you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the time where I was like, right, I'm not going to do a really general population anymore. I'm just going to go all out combat athletes, roll the dice and, and yep. see what happens. So yeah, that's a little bit about me. And I say now today, I'm, I'm all primarily all combat athletes, boxers and, and at good level as well.
1: Awesome. One thing I want people to listen to there right away, we can remember in the first episode when I touched on my history and how I got into coaching, Reese now, and I'm sure you'll agree on this in a second, He's just opened his own gym. That's where we're filming from today. If you're on the YouTube, we're going to do some stuff on my Facebook later live from here as well. I should have probably put that in my own bag. Yeah, he's, <laughs> just, he's, just, he's just opened his own gym as well. He's not, he's not told you that. As well as fucking being a coach to champions, he's just opened his own gym. The one thing I picked out there, whatever, whatever your craft is, whatever you're passionate about, whatever you want to do, Reese has done the time for free. He realised that he wanted to work with elite athletes, and he said, listen, how can I do it? And he's went back, and he's offered to work with free, and he's backed himself, and he's proved himself, and that's how he's got here. Yeah. Very often in business and in life, people look at the end result. They see the, the gym, the, the world champs he's got now. He's working with Mark Deakey in the UFC. i will probably butcher his name there. <laughs> he's got Sonny Edwards. He's got loads of people now. Yeah. Dalton Smith. We're going to talk about that during the episode, of course, these fighters, but people see that and they think fucking hell he's got it Look, he's, he's landed on his feet to work with his fighters has he Fuck, he's worked hard from day one he's went right the way back and he's done it for free to get where he is now so I think for me that's something that everyone should always take from this and I hope you've already learned that from me I worked for free as a coach first in uh, Edge Gym back in the day went in and just said I'll just do what I can you've got to be willing to go back and start somewhere so what is it that made you want to get into it? Or at least, what, why, did you decide, why did you decide fighters? And yeah. then what, what do you get from training now? What's, yeah. what, what
0: kind of buzz do you get, I guess? Yeah, I guess, I guess just going back real quick, just in terms of what you're saying about working for free, I think that's a really key point. Like the other week I got asked by someone on a DM like, oh, how'd you manage to get a world champion so quickly? And I was like, Jesus Christ. Like You're only seeing one section of it. Yeah. Um, as you say, people don't see the whole journey to see the end point. Yeah. And I think even for people in terms of like their transformation, so like the guys you work with, people always just think it's like an eight week, Bam, you shred for six weeks and that's it. They don't see that that year or that people are working with you, yeah. the, the time when they're putting on a little bit of fat because they're trying to get bigger and their body doesn't look like it does at the end goal. So I think it's really important to be involved in that process and not just think, right, end goal, let me get there as quickly as possible. Actually enjoy the journey along yeah. the way and do all that shit, as you say, for free and all that sort of stuff. Mm. Um, but yeah, why? Basically, It was, so do you know how people always say you need to find your passion in life and you should only work for a job that you're passionate about and stuff like that? Like for me, I think that's absolutely bullshit, to be honest. I think if you search time and time again for your passion, you're just gonna end in so many dead ends. I basically just went through life, needed jobs at certain times, hated them all. I've done removals, I've worked for a water company, um, I've worked for um, a desalination plant I've worked for River Island literally done everything and hated all of it yeah. and I just stumbled across a passion I never really was looking for it it wasn't something I was like right I'm going to go out today find something I'm passionate about yeah. I just stumbled across it um, I went travelling for a bit uh, 2015-ish I think um, and when I was there obviously you really chilled really relaxed and it was like right what do I want to do in my life now um, and that was when I actually had the first ideas that i It's something I thought about for a while and I was like, why not just do it now? Like what's the worst that can happen? I hate work anyway, Mm -hmm. so why not give it a go? And if it goes tits up, then I'm in the same position anyway. So that's where it first started. Um, And also cause I did fight a little bit myself, not a high level, but just a little bit. It was kind of like, right, why not put the two together? Fighting in my opinion, like one of the hardest sports in the world. 100%. People need to be conditioned and need to be strong because their life's at stake at the end of the day. Yeah. You could die in a ring. So I was like, I really want to help fighters reach their potential. And that doesn't just mean become world champions. That means if you're an amateur fighter and you just want to have one fight and just see how you get on, I want you to be in the best position to do that. I want you to be fit stronger so whether you win, draw or lose, you don't look back and go, oh, if only I'd done more. Fonio was a little bit stronger. Fonio was a little bit fitter. Mm. So that was kind of why or how I got into it, and, and why I wanted to go down that route. And, and for me, it's just like now it is a passion, but it wasn't something that I knew was a passion and actively looked for it. It's mm. just grown from a hobby of enjoying combat sports to now becoming passionate about physical development of fighters. Awesome, sick. Pretty good in wrestling. <laughs> Pretty
1: good. No, I, th- I think that's really good. I mean, I think. Mm i'm surprised about the about the passion thing to be honest i think so to give you a bit of background on me and reese i'm a massive boxing fanboy for starters for those of you that know me will know i love boxing so i know i know a little bit um, but me and reese met at graft house which is a gym in Leeds, a few years ago um, and, and we've become friends i've, I've actually trained reese which has done some of my some of my programs and done muscle gain with me so he's going to give you a little bit of insight into that but then along this along the way i think both have been doing our own thing with yeah risen to relatively good levels I wouldn't say I'm a world world champion Uh, but he he certainly has and he's he's built this business and he's come here and I think to hear the background to it just shows you that you don't always know what you what you want to do, but when you have got an idea, there's a great quote I think it's Gary Vaynerchuk says, it's always better to fall on your own own sword. It's much better to give a go what you want to do. And even if you fail at that, so what you could be working for someone else for 10, 20, 30 years and get sacked and you fucking you failed at someone else's dream anyway. You might as well have a go at your own thing and do the best you can. So whether that's alongside your job your own career whatever it is could just be even actually like we said giving it a go and having a boxing match having a, having a challenging yourself in combat sport getting out of your comfort zone you know that's something that I fucking love talking about and, and what Reese did say there was and I think that's where we share similar values is that it's about maximising what you've got what Reese specialises in is when a fighter comes to him He can't control the result on the night, but he can give them the best possible chance. They're not gonna fail because of their fitness, their strength,
0: and obviously in the gym that he can improve that mental strength as well. I think um, I had this conversation with my uh, business partner, my mate who's gonna be coming down here as well because he was in a situation where he was like, when do I come over? When do I put all my eggs in that basket? Yeah. And I was just like, roll the dice. Like what's the worst that can happen? Yeah. And I think we sort of discussed it as well. And I think it's so true. Like people nowadays, uh, they don't fully go for something, not because they're scared of, scared of failing. I think the biggest issue is that they're scared of the embarrassment of what people think. Yeah. So like if I open up a gym and this in two years time has gone tits up and I, have, I don't own it mm. anymore, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. I've tried it and I know like i think some people they don't do anything because they're like oh, if it doesn't work i've got to show my face around and, and admit that i failed at something like yeah, yeah, yeah. so i think whatever you're doing like who cares what people think mm-hmm. roll roll the dice see what happens and don't be scared of that embarrassment like just own it sometimes yeah. you're going to fail sometimes you're going to succeed it's just the way it goes so mm-hmm. yeah
1: i think the quickest way on that just 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 to finish up this this bit before we get on to questions is i always say the lads that work with me in the 28 days or 12 weeks whatever it is 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 there's, this, there's the phrase burn the boats like don't leave anything behind like if you give it your all no matter what the result is you won't have any regrets when people have regrets on stuff it's because the maybe know what they should have done mm. whether that's just putting a little bit extra time in uh, whether it's just, just doing the things you know you should do it could be getting your diet right could be asking for help could be asking the question could be studying a little bit more most of the time most men particularly nowadays with all the information out there we've got an idea of the direction that we want to head in um, but the difference is, is do you do it or not it's one thing known it's another thing will apply isn't it so that's the, uh, the goal so in terms of the next bit mate the questions I've got some questions what I've tried to do for you listeners I've tried to pick some questions that I think will get the most out of the reason will hopefully give you a hand so we've got the first one is how can the average man combine sport and aesthetics so I'm sure somebody out there maybe he's played football again I mentioned at the beginning you've got a sport how can we combine the two recent and what are the mistakes that you see and see people doing?
0: Yeah, I think a lot of my guys, where well, you see fighters in general, they're always in really good shape. Mm-hmm. So I think the aesthetic side of it, of a sports performance or a performance-based program is like a knock on effect. Mm-hmm. So with my, with my fighters, like really and truly to a certain degree, it's not important what they look, look like. Yep. I mean, you take someone like Sunny, for example, doesn't look like a a Dalton, for example, who's ripped and shredded. But the performance side and the aesthetic side is just a knock on result of, of the stuff you're doing. So I think if you are kind of combining the two, I think first thing is to prioritize which one's most important to you. Is it performing on a Saturday at football or is it your aesthetics? Because sometimes if the goals are murky and you're not clear on- Do you,
1: you, think, do you think you can do both? Sorry, do you, do you think, I mean, there's something, I, I've said before,
0: I love it. Chase two chickens mm. catching on. If you're trying to do two things. Yeah. You can, but obviously the results won't be as good as if you was to just have one and run And you've 100%. got to accept that. You've yeah, accept and you've got, got to thing. accept that. And it, it comes down to prioritizing it like, as I say, is your priority to perform well on a Saturday or is it to, to look good? And your program should be based around that a little bit. As I said, you can do both. For example, if it is performance, you might just have like a specific day a week where you're doing, I don't know, like a max effort lift or more explosive stuff or speed work. Or you can combine that into, into your program as well, like in the warm-up doing a bit of speed work before you go into like your higher rep stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just being clear on which one you prioritise and which one you want to get the better results at. Um, and again, if you're playing like football on a Saturday, like, like I do at the minute, to be honest, I just kind of roll with that. I don't do any training to... Yeah. Really improve on that. It's just fun. It's just a hobby, I'd say.
1: What what mistakes would you say you see made? So, for example, I'm sure everyone's seen them. Not to dig anyone out at the gym, <laughs> but there's always some turkey at the gym doing plyometrics or jumping around or doing something that elite athletes do and look like they're doing it badly. They've maybe seen it on YouTube. They're doing something that they probably shouldn't be doing. Yeah. So. It's just a real quick like do's and don'ts. Mm. What would you say there's some stuff we all should be working on if we want to be better athletes in our yeah. own right? Is there yeah. some stuff we
0: should avoid unless we're working with the experts? Yeah. What, what would you say to that? I'd say like the plyometric stuff definitely has a place, more from like uh, like tendon strength and, and mobility stuff. So and plyometrics like.
1: to jump in for those you know, that's like you jump in your explosive work. It might be jumping off a box, landing, reactive work that's yeah. going to improve the. Explosiveness, and elasticity, yeah. You like yeah. and yeah. And I continue. think, like,
0: with that stuff as well, it's really enjoyable to do. Yeah, so even with your jumps and your med ball work, throwing a med ball around, like, even if you're stressed at work one day, yeah. you're coming in the gym and you start slamming a med ball, like, you feel better straight away. So, I think there's definitely a place in a program for that. I'd say you already hit the nail on the head in terms of the don'ts, like, don't just watch a YouTube video and start running it because. Some of those explosive things, you think if you're jumping off a box and landing, it's like eight times your body weight going through your joints. So if you're not in a position where you can handle that, over time, that's a high, high risk of injury. That would be no good for me. No. <laughs> no it wouldn't be. Eight times your body weight's a lot of force, isn't it? Um, But that, that's what I would say is, is the uh, the biggest don't, is just don't watch a YouTube video of something that looks cool and run with it without any context of if is it what you need and uh, is it suitable for your body at that moment in time. Awesome. What would you say if, if you were looking to... I'm a big fan of like an upper lower
1: split, mm. four sessions a week. That's what I say for the general public, most people work my way are not, are you training four times a week? Mm. Would you add in uh, Would you add in little bits of sports specific conditioning to all four sessions, or would you do a, a separate session every week? Mm. What would be your thoughts on that? I'm putting you on the spot a bit here, but this is what I so wanted to grill you a bit and get I'll, you.
0: I would maybe, just sprinkle a little bit throughout the week. So in your warm-ups, you could probably do some of your speed work, go into your heavy lifts, and then maybe at the back end, go into your higher rep work, and you know, your failure work, and and bodybuilding type stuff off the back of that. Um, Yeah, I'd sprinkle it across. You can do almost like a more of a a, a undulating type stuff, where maybe on like a, a Tuesday, you do like a max effort day, on a Thursday, do more explosive stuff. You can do it that way. Maybe on like a Monday, Wednesday, have like your bodybuilding type workout. But on the whole, I'd say just small doses. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just little sprinkles across the week and that will add up over time. This is perfect, because it's led us into the next question, actually, it's like we <laughs> know what we're is. doing, it's like we See know what we're is. doing. So, what bodybuilding info, or
1: what body bodybuilding techniques, maybe mm. some of the stuff you've learned with me, some of the stuff you've online, what do you use,
0: mm. both
1: yourself and with fighters, so with elite athletes, what, what can we learn, what yeah. transfers?
0: I think this gets bashed a bit, because obviously when you think of bodybuilding, you think about packing on muscles, Um, and when you look at fighters that's not what you want it's a weight restricted sport Mm -hmm. Um, if you get too big as well you're probably going to become a little bit stiffer a little bit slower so but there's definitely some methods that you can implement at the right time in the right doses so a lot of what the guys need. Some some fighters can afford to pack on muscle as well. Mm -hmm. Um, They can afford to add a bit more muscle mass because the more muscle mass you've got, the more water you hold, which means on fight, where you can cut weight a lot easier. Um, So on some athletes, you see someone like Mark, for example, who is shredded. Shredded and he's still got like a stone to lose. But he holds so much water that in he can cut so much on fight with easily. Got you. So he makes weight easily, even though you look at him and you're like, "Where's the stone coming off from here?" Yeah. Um. So that's one thing to bear in mind. And again, in terms of getting them stronger, if if you're doing a squat, for example, you can go into like your failure stuff to to build their strength in those exercises. That's mm-hmm. going to make their max effort lift go up. Yeah. Um. So working on those weak points, for example, if doing a bench press and this. And Strong and in a sticking point, you can hammer the triceps, you can go to failures, and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. A lot of what I use, um, I do a lot of AMRAP sets, or um, which you you use as well. Yeah, um, and I use them as many reps as possible. Yep. In case yeah, you <laughs> and I use that a lot in like the prep phase, so that first four weeks when they're back in the gym to get their strength levels up, strength endurance up, yep. get their general endurance up a little bit as well. So we might do like um, a little circuit of like three exercises um, and just 10 minutes. How many times can you get through that? Yep. Um, we might do something like you gave to me, for example, like the press-ups, two minutes. How many can yeah, you get that's up? that's a good one. Yeah. 2 press good. Just to get general strength levels up yep. um, at the start of camp. A lot of it, what I do is in that beginning phase. And then obviously as you go towards camp, then you get a bit more specific in terms of your program, exercise selection and all that sort of stuff.
1: Awesome, good. Perfect. We're leading on nicely to the next one. So we mentioned there, we talked a little bit there about the, this will tie in nicely. So we talked a little bit about having more muscle Mm -hmm. and then that gives you the ability yeah. to cut more water so that's because I mean my, my understanding I repeat this a lot so it's fucking better be right yeah. is, that, is that for every your muscle glycogen so yeah. the carbohydrates that were in the muscles so yeah. when we've got the muscle fibres your biceps across the body wherever it is within your muscle you store muscle glycogen which is when you eat carbohydrates it's stored as muscle glycogen now for every one gram of muscle glycogen or carbohydrates stored you store three mil of water yeah. is that where you go off yeah. yeah as well that's good, I've been repeating yeah. it years. So that means, obviously, as Rhys mentioned, you've got much more opportunity if you have more muscle, mm-hmm. theoretically, to cut more water, which will drop your weight. Yeah. So something I want to talk to Rhys about, which I think is really fitting, he does some massive crazy, yeah. you'll have seen in the UFC, no doubt you've seen people hobbling on the scales. Now he doesn't do that with his fighters. <laughs> but something that's interesting to talk about is, what's the difference between a weight cut, mm-hmm. which is what you specialize in to get people ready for a fight, and then what I do, which is more fat loss, yeah. because I always hop on at this with all my clients online all the time, that your weight on the scale doesn't necessarily equal your progress, and you shouldn't be reading too much into that. It's just
0: one variable. And um, but we yeah. take it away on that. So yeah. weight loss versus fat loss, and the yeah. weight cuts. The main difference, in simple terms, is fat loss is in a calorie deficit. Yeah. On fight week, when we're doing like a weight cut. We're not looking to lose fat. It's too short term in a a week. So we're keeping the calories up. They're still eating maintenance calories. So on fight week, biggest mistake fighters make is that they cut all their food. But we're not trying to lose fat. It's too short a time. We're trying to manipulate more things like water, carbohydrate stores, fiber stores, Mm -hmm. all that sort of stuff. So that's the biggest difference that fighters on fight week should be eating at maintenance calories, 2,000 calories or whatever it is. And what we're actually looking at is cutting the things that aren't sustainable. So you can do it for five weeks, but longer term would be very unhealthy. So we're looking at water cutting. Uh, So basically dehydrating your body. We're looking at cutting carbohydrate stores. We're looking at cutting fiber from from the gut, um, which all in the short term, will let that weight drop down. They weigh in and then we get it all straight back in. That would be the biggest difference that calories we're not cutting because we're not looking to look fat not looking to lose fat. We're trying to manipulate all those other variables that in the short term can help us lose weight but in the longer term, not great. And it kind of goes back to more of the people that you work with, for example, you know, when they take the, the weight on the scales all the time and mm-hmm. people trying to lose weight and they're like, oh, but today my weight's gone up and today it's gone down, it's gone. It's just the way the body is. Yeah. That that fluctuation is what we're manipulating in fight week. So yep. if they've had more carbs one evening, the next day they get on a scale and they're higher, that's why that's Yeah, we're, we're manipulating all those stuff during fight week.
1: This is what we're trying to look back to and, and what I want to, so sort of use the podcast for is give you real world examples of, of how manipulating your carbohydrates or your water can actually impact your weight too often lads will come to me or you'll hear people saying I've had a mint week with my diet I've got my training right, I've got my, all my meals right, I've been drinking my water, I've done everything and they're having a really positive week and then they get on the scales at the, at the weekend, the fucking scales of doom and all of a sudden the scales don't go the right way or they don't reflect the work that we have put in and the person thinks that the hard work across all the weeks been undone now equally the other side of that is you could have had a pretty bad week but if you're clever you know the day before you're in how to manipulate the scales which person's done better Mm. I could quite easily say to people right the day before you get on the scales let's stop drinking water at six o'clock let's make sure that you go to the toilet before you get on let's make sure that you cook carbohydrates you you can do all these little things and it'll manipulate your weight. It doesn't mean that you're making progress. Mm -hmm. So we we need to have, and everyone should, our our believers, when when you're weighing in, when you're doing check-ins, particularly for aesthetics, what I'm doing, which is obviously different to Reese, when you're trying to look your best, there needs to be more than one variable, just like to be fair for Reese's stuff, Weight's important, but it means for goal if they can't fight. Yeah. It's never one variable or one area at all costs, and it's it's really, really important. Remember that. Just give some examples. What what sort of uh, weight, because it so shocked. some people, I think, is, is what sort of weight can you see people losing the last week in kilos or stones or however you so, want to put it across?
0: Yeah, so um, boxing isn't as bad as as MMA just because the weight classes, there's more of them in boxing. Mm-hmm. So boxer, typically they'll go into fight week, four kilos, three kilos overweight, yep. um, and then we'll cut fiber, do a water load and sweat it out if we need to. So yep. I'd say that's pretty standard. When you get into MMA, it's, uh, it's a lot more because the weight classes are a lot more uh, yep. spaced out. So on average, typically a good weight cut is probably a stone on fight week, 12 pounds. okay, And that's a good weight cut. So a
1: stone in a week.
0: Yeah, stone in a week, and uh, that—that's a good weight cut. And again, it comes down to like, are they well hydrated before they do that? Are they eating carbohydrates? Are they high in fibre? Because twelve pounds when all them things are high is a lot more easy than 12 pounds when they've already stopped drinking, they've yep. already cut carbs, they've already cut all their creatine, they're yes. not eating a fibrous diet because that's a big problem because they've got nothing to That's
1: be- a massive point so what we is saying there is if they're not going into that week optimally, yep. if they're not getting their water out, if they're not hydrated, there would not be the foundation there to cut from in the first place which is what I always say to people in the fat loss phase is if you're not, you, you never start a diet where you aim to end up. Yep. You need to have that room, yep. that, that, that scope to cut yep. from. Um, so yeah, so just Take that from a fucking yeah. pro, from recently you know, weight, weight loss doesn't always equal fat yeah. loss. Um, and there's loads of tricks around it. You've, you've got to look at the bigger picture.
0: And you look at those guys as well, typically what you think of fighters after they fought, after they do an extreme weight cut, because it's not sustainable, mm-hmm. they go and binge for two, three weeks afterwards. Yeah. So for your guys, like, who might be thinking, oh, Stone, in a week, what, oh, we'll get on that. It's not going to work. Yeah. They're going to crash pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, performance is going to drop. Testosterone is going to drop. Yeah. All that sort of stuff. So that more fat loss, calorie deficit, sustainable, is far better longer term than, than those drastic weight. That's
1: awesome. Next one. What can we learn from elite athletes? What, what are the differences? What are the main three lessons? Or what, what can you give from your athletes? Yeah. What would you say is going to be valuable for the, for the men and for the general public? What can we learn from them?
0: Do you know what it is? I think it's controlling the things that are in your control not worrying about anything external. Control the controllable. Control the controllable, exactly. I think mindset is probably the probably the number one the difference is that they've got a goal and they will do anything to reach that goal. Yep. As I say, the control they do, don't worry about anything external and they're in that mindset of that they're not gonna fail. They're just gonna go all out, all into their goals yep. and, and get it done. Dedication, commitment, and just again being involved in the process rather than the end goal Mm -hmm. like they're during a camp their their mind's not on just the victory it's not just on that it's like this make this session good what am I lifting in this session? Make this technical session good. Make, you know, all that sort of stuff. And over camps when you're doing that for 12 weeks, it all starts to snowball and stack up. And fight night's just the pinnacle of all of that previous 12 weeks. You know, the, the old quote is that the, the fight's won long before fight night. Yeah. It's done in the build up to that. And it's similar to, to, to your guys, it's like, you know, don't just be focused on a number on a scale what you're looking at the destination yeah focusing on the journey just focus on those one percenters what can you do today to win today
1: which is interesting that you're saying that with fighters i think a lot of people probably imagine that fighters maybe aren't that not that bothered but i think Mm. maybe don't enjoy camp as much yeah um but from what you're saying there and you're working with Mm. with these people is actually
0: the ones that maybe are enjoying camp or are are trying the hardest in the sessions Mm. that adds up to yeah. the result on the night. Absolutely. And it's, it's all about enjoying the process. Like, if you do have those fighters and I have had them who it's just all about training again today, can't be arsed and got a fight and just want to get it out of the way. This is a good one. What, yeah. what do you do? I, I've talked about this a lot. Yeah. What do you do to
1: make sure that the, the lads enjoy the sessions? What yeah. would you say to that so they, so they enjoy the journey? What are you doing
0: in your sessions? I know you do a lot of competition between them, some fun stuff. Yeah. But what do you do? It, it's all a, Well, that's what coaching is, really. If We strip it all back. Yeah. Coaching yeah. is is making the process as enjoyable for each person. And you've got to know your athlete as well. Yeah. You've got to know some athletes and some fighters are just strictly business. They don't care if it's fun or not. They're so driven yeah. that they'll do whatever they've got to do. and yeah. It doesn't matter if it's fun or not. And you, as a good coach, you've got to notice certain days when they come in and maybe they're not joking as much as normal and they're, they're, they're walking a little slower paces. They're walking towards you and all of a sudden within five seconds of seeing them, you're like, right, something's going on there. Oh, okay. And it could be something like, I sparred shit yesterday. And yeah. now they're mentally sparring, I'm not ready for this fight. I sparred shit. Ah, okay. I felt unfit. And then would you tweak the session or what would you do differently? Yeah, yeah, so it's all about adjusting. Honestly, 99% of what we actually do in sessions is probably not what I've planned. Right. It's very rare. I don't feel I've ever had a camp that's gone as I've programmed it. Mm. Never, not once. Um, injuries, fatigue, you know, especially with fighters who sort are of training so much, little yeah. niggles, all that sort of stuff. If an athlete is is tired, then we go back to what we spoke about previously, those jumps, those med ball slams, make it fun. Get them doing stuff that's different. Um, With the MMA guys are like, throwing in like, I put a video the other day of Staff and Lou, where they were doing like a little game, press up, just as a warm up, something completely different. They're not getting any stronger, fitter from it, but it got them into the session blew off the cobwebs and then they were ready to go. Um, So it's all about just adjusting on on the fly. And and that's what good coaching is. It's not being stuck to a certain program. It's actually, you know, even from your sort of point of view, if you program something and someone's like, I'm really not enjoying this, we change it. Yeah, you change it, and yeah. that, that program might be not as good. Yeah. But for that person, if they're sticking to it and they're giving it more, probably it's going to be even better. I than think a
1: do. common misconception with my stuff, we've, we've got the 28 day challenge, and that that's a rite of passage. It's a challenge mm. that is predetermined. That's, but it's 28 days. Yeah. But I think the 12 weeks, uh, the 12 week transformation, and in a circle the longer stuff I do, I've got a lot of lads now coming from a lot of more prestigious, if you like, oh, well, I like to think I'm getting there, but, but yeah. from other coaches or from other bigger gym or worldwide, if you like, on do who, transformation facilities and stuff. And what, what you've got to remember is, is that, normally with most businesses or most coaching programs online, there might be one person behind it. Yeah. Like with Made Aesthetically Trained, with yeah. recent Elite Step. Yeah. As it gets bigger and bigger, you've got a choice. You can either keep doing the coaching yourself and you can charge your time based on that. Yeah or you can go down more of a programmed, like a, like a generic route. Mm-hmm. And that's what a lot of these bigger companies do and the things that you pay for online. Yeah. When you sign up for a 12-week program with Joe Blogs or fucking whoever it is online, the likelihood is that in week one, they've already programmed what you're doing in week 10 yeah. or in week 12. It's a predetermined route based on the leader of that organization or said social media personality. I, I had to do a lot of experiment, I my lads. I come from some of these gurus or whatever you want to call them but actually when you work with me what you're paying for is my time mm-hmm. and the flexibility in the process that no matter what happens I will get you through it yeah. and that means that when you check in sometimes I don't know what you're going to be doing until you check in mm. because I can't say for sure when I send a diet out I've got a direction as long as we're headed in the right direction but I can't say for sure that when you check in that you're going to be up or down on the scale. So you might have had a bad week. You might not be enjoying the program, as we said. The coach's job is actually is to direct you through whatever murky as you go through kind of thing. And the process should be flexible in that regard. You should be firm and fixed in your goals. But the route that you take will always depend on the individual. It shouldn't be a predetermined path. That's not what you're paying for at an elite level. That's the whole point of why Reese works with elite yeah. athletes. When people pay for my one-to-one time, even in the inner circle, the group coaching I do, they're asking questions and we're, and we're amending it on the fly. Yeah. That's coaching. It's not yeah. a predetermined PDF where it's like, mm. this is week one, this is week 10, this is week 12. What about if you train terribly in weeks five to eight yeah. and you've had a lot of stress at home, your diet's not right, you've been off plan, then do you just jump back in or do you restart?
0: There's loads of factors that you need to consider. So exactly really right. good, mate, exactly really good. I like yeah. that, we we'll agree on that. And do you know what I wasted early when I started out? Because when you learn, you talk, you do an annual plan mm-hmm. for your fighters, this is pre-season, whatever sport, and then I was like, why am I doing this? I'm just literally spending two hours programming and I'm not even using it. Yeah. Like it's all gone to shit because as you say, they've got an injury, can't do bench press. Yeah. They, they've now got a spa on a different day, so I can't do that session. So yeah, it, it is. And that's the difference between just coaching and paying for a program. Yeah. Like then that. that's why- people,
1: people aren't paying for information, they're paying for implementation. Yeah. That's what I always say. Yeah. They're paying for you personally, to guide through the process and make it work no matter what. So. Right, last one before we go into a quick fire a little chat question we've got. And I think this will leave it nicely. So, Reese, as we know, works with a lot of good boxers, UFC players. So what I want to know, I'm a boxing fan. I don't know as much about UFC. So what I want to know, Reese, yeah. is who to look out for in boxing. What is your tips? If you can, if we go back and this podcast is fucking huge <laughs> right. in five years' time as we
0: who's the boxer that you're going to say is going to blow up? <sighs> Do you know what? I've been thinking about this since I mentioned that it's going to be a question. I'm so <laughs> stumped. For the one that came to my head is more in the UFC. There's a guy in Manchester called Lerone Murphy, UFC. Okay. He actually, I think, I'm not sure he was fighting on before that, but he got a last minute fight during lockdown, got mm-hmm. a draw, and then they signed him, signed a right. UFC contract. Okay. Um, and then he's won two on the row there. So he's unbeaten in three, uh, in a, uh, I think he's got a big, big future. Okay. A challenge for titles.
1: So Lerone Murphy, like, yeah. is an in after Lans- UFC, a yeah, UFC age, guy. Good
0: fighter. In boxing, a so tough one that and it obviously if you're looking local in Leeds uh, Hopi Price looks like a decent boxer should have a big potential Jack Bateson's kind of moving up the rankings now as well yeah um, that's a hard one though obviously I'm biased to my guys but I'm not going to mention them uh, I'd say those two in Leeds. I've gone blank though. I'll know. jump in while well, we stinks. I've
1: got I've got one of my good mates, God. Cyrus Patterson. He's just he's just turned pro. Yeah. So one of my good friends from when I was younger. He's just turned pro and he's going to be fighting very soon yeah. on a on a match-room, so. So look out look out him about Yeah, if you're
0: looking at the amateurs in the GB, the McCormack. Yeah, the McCormack. They're probably going yeah, the yeah, well, okay. <laughs> to uh, do very well in the uh, in the pro game as well. Um, but yeah, do you know what British boxing is kind of like? Almost like having its second wave of elite level fighters I think it was a few years ago we were kind of like had like 15 world champions yeah then it's had a bit of a dip it had in, a bit in of a dip back. I feel like now it's starting to come come back up again so good. should be good
1: right then some quick fire questions to finish off we're just going to essentially chat shit for the last <laughs> 10 minutes so start off nice and easy hit me tea or coffee
0: coffee good lad cats good. or dogs dogs I'm actually getting a dog as well that showed you I yeah, yeah, dogs yeah. all day I don't like cats they're selfish like <laughs> like what do you do with a cat? It just around the house. It doesn't do anything. And then when it's feeding, it like yeah, I don't get cats. Me, really. I don't get them. I'm a dog person, as yeah. You'll all know about better. But yeah, <laughs> rugby or football? Football, hundred percent. Do you know what? Actually, since I moved up to Leeds, I went Union Leeds, and everyone loved rugby. Mm-hmm. So I did start watching the rugby league a little bit, going and watching the Rhinos. Yeah. When they were good, and uh, it was actually all right, to be fair. Um, I don't mind rugby, but football all day long. You're an Arsenal fan, aren't you? unfortunately. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately. What do you think of that? Do you know what, I was? I kind of changed in the last few days because after we lost in the Europa League semi, I was kind of like, do you know what, what a terrible season. I was like, but I can see what he's trying to do yeah. and like maybe he's the right man. But then I thought, bloody hell, we're 10th in the league. Yeah. Like we're 10th in the league, that is awful. Yeah. I'd probably give him one more season, one uh-huh. more summer transfer window to try and get a couple more players that he wants. And one more season, but if it's still like this next year, then I don't think you can stay because. But it's a hard one though, as well, isn't it? Because really now, who's going to break City, United, Liverpool, Chelsea? You've yeah. got Tottenham up there. Everton start to do alright. West Ham, like, it's just getting more and more competitive. And we've never been a club that's going to go spend two hundred million that we probably need to even start to close the gap. Yeah. So I think uh, we we'll be joining you boys down in. Get Steve Bruce in; he'll do the job for you. Don't worry about that. Um, this is a good one. Go on. AJ or Fury? Fury. Do you know what? If I had to guess now, nah, I don't even think it's going to be a close fight. No. I think Fury will stop him inside five rounds. Really? Yeah. I'll be fucking buzzing the fuck happens. Like. <laughs> I just, uh, I just, I don't see anything Joshua does better than Fury if he tries to stick it on him early doors which I, I think is his best chance to mm. try and use his strength stick it on him yeah. I think Fury just goes on the back foot and jabs his head off for 12 rounds Yeah, doesn't Joshua doesn't even get close to it and I think if Fury then sticks it on him I think he stops him quick
1: I know I know. close out of the time if this fight does happen and certainly big fights in the future I know me and Jack I want to do some some, some boxing episodes so we'll get yeah, you on for yeah. then. you can be the expert inside I say,
0: but yeah as of now I'd say my, if I was betting my money would be on Fury fifth round stoppage I, I want Fury Win. I just my concern would be that
1: Fury doesn't live the life as much as Joshua. Joshua, as much as I don't dislike him, I think that he is very, very dedicated. He seems yeah. to be training a lot. I've no doubt that he is working on a game plan, and it might suit him in this one, possibly being the underdog. Mm. Um, and is 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 Fury a little bit complacent? Would he get you know? Could he get caught cold? Fury would not have fought in a really long time.
0: Joshua obviously fought Kulev more recently. Um, but yeah, it'll be yeah. fucking epic. I think those ones as well, like those two, like Fury not living their life and not fighting for a while, but he's kind of already answered those questions, like three hard years hard out and, and, yeah, it and, and made a blind bit of and difference. I think it, yeah. he's just so elite level that I just think he'll box his head off, to be honest, yeah. yeah. But it's interesting. Hopefully get to see Do it. Do you think too. it happens this year? Yeah, well, apparently it's like apparently done. it's going to be yeah, announced. It's done this. now. July, uh, August or something in Saudi Arabia, apparently, isn't it? We'll see, we'll
1: see. Uh, right, next couple are a little bit deeper, I guess. So keep it we'll say what is the best we mentioned about traveling earlier and we spent traveling that's when he kind of learned a little bit more about himself i always like asking people about traveling different mm. places in the world so everything's opening back up yeah what's the best place you've visited in the so world so
0: i would say i mean i lived in new zealand for two years so i love that place but my favorite place i've ever been is vietnam it's yeah. class. Have you been? No, I haven't. It's class, you'd love it. It was just so good. It went for like six weeks, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, like the people Why, so Where did you go? Was it Hanoi? Yeah, just traveled the whole whole yeah. country for six weeks and it was just an unbelievable place. So cheap as well. Like a beer was like 50p, go out and have a massive plate of noodles, chicken, everything for like $1. Sick. It's so cheap. Everyone's so friendly. It's like a really nice place as well. That's by far, Best place I've ever been. By Class. far, I'd recommend it massively. On the other side of that coin, yeah. What's the worst place you've been? You know could? what? Same trip. So after we went to Vietnam, we went out to Cambodia. Yeah. And as part of that, um, we went to the killing fields. So I don't know how much you know about that, no. but I didn't know anything about it till we went, and we sort of researched it while we were there, and we went, and it was just horrible. Like, so it's basically if I, and I could be getting this completely wrong, but I'm pretty sure it was the basically that, they were called like the kuma rouge or something they were like the leaders and they basically wanted to reset it to year zero so they just went on a killing spree and killed anyone with any intelligence doctors teachers just wiped them out i think they killed about three million people in like a week or something wiped up. out the whole country um and they were recruiting kids basically to to do it all and then they'd wipe out all those kids families because they didn't want anyone to grow older and then get revenge kills and all that sort of stuff yeah, so it was just mad. So when you go to the killing fields, cut a long story short, there were, there were so many dead bodies that are still just bones in the ground, like they couldn't remove them all. Oh. There's like something they called like the killing tree where they basically just get babies' heads, hold them by their legs, bam, throw them into a pit, bam, to kill them. It was the most horrible thing I've ever seen in my life. Fucking oh, hell. Yeah, and after Left Out, I sort of felt so bad that i never heard of it. It was only in the 70s that is it right. in parents' generation mad yeah that's why.
1: Right. I mean it is important to travel I've, mm. I've been there I went to Auschwitz and stuff and yeah, yeah. it's very harrowing yeah. Yeah. when you are learning yeah, about yeah. these things like it's important it gives you a lot of a lot of context mm. doesn't it it makes yeah. you grateful for, for what we do for yeah. sure but yeah that was by
0: far the worst place we have ever been
1: next one this is two we've got, we've got two questions left and I think these are going to be two good ones so what is can be in life can be in coaching mm-hmm. what is the worst piece of advice you've either been given yourself or you've heard given to someone else there's obvious ones, but what's probably the one that maybe you, you feel people do take serious for, or, or, you know, people believe? What's...
0: Do you know what? This kind of goes back to what we spoke about at, at the start in terms of, like, the failing. The people that... And I guess it's kind of the way we live now is that everything's got to be happy and everything's 100% positive all the time and da 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 da, da. But, like, when people kind of cover up whatever the advice is, when people cover up the negatives, it's like, there is, let's be realistic. there is negatives. Yeah. You, you might fail. You might... Da, 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 da. But no you, positive, vote negative. Yeah, exactly. And I think people try and sugarcoat stuff too much now and make it all sort of like rainbows and, and candy floss sort of thing. Whereas I think you have to be realistic at the same time. Mm. And yeah, there is a chance that you could fail. There is a chance it could go wrong. There's a chance, you know, uh, relationships are going to break up, whatever. And it's just being realistic and being like, how do you deal with that? How do you do, navigate yourself the best way? So I don't know about a specific piece of advice, but it's just the general trend of everything being all like, positive, positive, positive when you have to be be realistic as well. Got you. And then the last one. Yeah. Finishing up. Mm. What is the best piece of advice? Best piece of advice is, it's a quote, right? It's actually a quote, not a piece of advice. And I think actually you replied to one of my stories about it. It was, uh, I'm trying to remember it offline now. It's, we're not who we think we are. We're not who other people think we are. Where what we think other people think we are. Yes. So who we actually are in, in your mind, if you're ever feeling anxious, you're ever nervous about something, it's not because you think a certain thing, it's not because anyone else thinks a certain thing because they don't really give a shit about you. It's because you think someone's thinking something of you. Yeah. Whether yeah. that's that you failed going back to the gym if it goes tits up, the only reason I'm scared of that is because I think someone's going to be mocking me. Yeah. Yeah. It's that perception. I think that's as soon as you realise that. They're not actually thinking it because you're not that important that anyone really gives a shit about what you're doing. Exactly. They might laugh about it once for five seconds and then they don't think about it again. Everyone's concentrating on their own thing. Exactly. So that would be be the best. And then the second one would be never go to someone for or never take criticism from someone you won't go to for advice.
1: Yeah, that's a good one. I think. I think particularly when you're looking to get to a high level of anything, Mm -hmm. there's always going to be people who are trying to drag you down or comment on it. Mm. But like what said, you said, know, perception's reality. Yeah. You can just block them, people out, and just yeah. focus on yeah. the, the, the direction mm-hmm. on And then when you do have mistakes, when you do fail, like we mentioned, I would always try to reframe that as an opportunity to learn. Mm. Uh, and a lot of the time, it's as you know, as it is, your, your, biggest, your biggest setbacks are the, are the things that pave the way for you to move forward, and you can get yeah. your biggest lessons mm-hmm. from, from those moments and yeah. those, those things. So yeah. Yeah. awesome.
0: Done bro. thank you very much. I think we uh, need to touch on why you didn't back my boy though. From yeah, we'll finish off I with get, this. So, so I, uh, I'll give the context to this one. I say, we spoke about Sonny's fight, leading up Notch. obviously he was the underdog. And I said to Ross, I was like, come on, get some money on him. He's going to box his head off for 12 rounds. Right, what, what were the odds? I think he was at, um, so I think you put a tenner on and you got 24 back. Where that yeah, it's well over
1: even, sort of. Reese come to me, being one of my good pals, and said, "Ross, Sonny's fighting. You like your boxing? The lad he was fighting. Bear in mind, he was he was fighting a guy who was South African, running, I'm not yeah, even going to attempt yeah. his second name because no, it was it was either. pretty full on. But he
0: was was he like ten years undefeated? Yeah, or something? He thirteen was, years undefeated. What was he 26 knockouts in 38 fights? I was yeah, thinking. he was
1: avoided. He was meant to be this yeah. fucking ace man
0: at fucking at, at the weight, and he was meant to you know be
1: a stone cold colour and all this. And Reese said, look. Sonny's gonna beat him, he's gonna box his head off, he should put some money on it. And listen, well, he's gonna come on at some point. I listen to my good friend Mikey and take bet- betting tips off him all the fucking time on horses that never come in. I don't think he's won a bet this year, never mind fucking ever. And yet, yeah, Reese come to me having some inside information and was like, listen. Sonny's gonna win, you should put some money on it. Yeah. I didn't do it. Yeah. And then Reece obviously obviously won, Sonny won. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, and I'm here out of pocket, so I should've listened. So if you do know anyone in the game, you should always listen that's to their advice. Use the experts that you have, so. That's it, awesome thanks very much bro I Pleasure. enjoyed it I hope everyone enjoyed this listening uh, we will be back for the next episode very soon you can catch Reese on Instagram social media everywhere if you just search Elite Step he has just opened as you can see here on the YouTube this is his gym this is his Elite Step Strength Box look him up he's fucking sick he's putting up loads of good content for fighters you might see some fighters that you know but also he's one of the very best at what he does and that's why I got him on a so I hope you enjoyed it drop a comment below like do all the normal stuff Have a good day. You've been
0: listening to Aesthetically Trained, the podcast. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and spread the word.